All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Flow Forward, uh, a podcast about RPG design and amateurism. Uh, tonight we have a special guest. I'm yeah. I'm gonna call him a special guest. He's a pretty special guest. Are we special? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, but... It's over eighty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but first, uh, we have our regular people. I'm Fred. Again, you've heard my voice probably way too much if you actually listen to this. Uh, and then we have Catrice. Yep, I'm still alive, technically. Great. And Cavoir? Uh, hello, I'm Cavoir. Uh, maybe not what Catrice said, but fine. whatever. <laughs> and Mark? Hello. And Rob? Hey, everybody. How's it going? And special guest, Michael. Uh, Hello. And you have some podcast, right, Michael? Yeah, uh, Drunken Tarrasque. We're on YouTube, and I think we're also on Twitter. We're essentially just us shooting the breeze, talking about things. We're amateurs, but we have fun at it. (laughs) With my guest, Rachel. (laughs) Okay. All right. Fantastic. Um, all right, so tonight we're going to talk about defining characters, as in, like, the things that you write down on a character sheet, or or the things that you don't write down on a character sheet often as well. But we'll start out with a little question, as we always do. And my question this week is thus. What do you always define about a character that games often don't? Now, for me, I think this has come up before, um, but I, like objects so i always give a character an object and a a thing a talisman or something like that that's my my weird thing but i'm guessing other people actually i know kevoir has an answer uh technically i have an answer i and you only know that because we were talking about before but um yeah basically it varies depending on the system and it's usually something i stole from another system that seems to fit this one like if i feel and i will slap on and well not for characters i make but if i'm having a person who is having trouble like deciding what they want to do uh, or defining certain or having a solid enough definition i will start adding and adding things until they start asking approaching the problem from different angles yeah okay cool um catrice do you have an answer yeah uh basically what the character personally values like Basically, I try to figure out, like, what's the one thing that, above all else, they would be willing to die for kind of thing. So, I find it's really good for being able to pick a direction of when they're stuck in, like, a moral situation or whatever, they can figure out what to do. Cool. Cool. And, uh, Mark? Um, yeah, I'll, on on character creation, this is a technique I used to use, and I haven't been using it as much lately, but um, I used to associate a lot of characters with songs, um, and whether it was like from my own head, and I would just kind of envision what that character was and, and pick a song that worked for me, or I asked the player to define a song that they knew um, that like meshed with their character's personality. Um, and that helped to give a lot of context into what kind of feeling or emotion um, that character brings to the the conversation or to the table. Okay, cool. And uh, Michael, do you have an answer? Yeah. Um, for me, usually, what I do when I 
build a character that's usually not there, I usually kind of give them their family, like how they connect with their family. I kind of almost make, I always make the joke, I make another character for my character, like their family. Do they have a large family? Uh, how were they raised? Kind of, because it kind of flushes their direction out in which way they're going to go. If they have a good family, it, it can kind of direct a character easier for me in the long term. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Don't see that very often. And then, oh, uh, Rob. Yeah, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my answer to that sort of leads into what I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, defining character, and that is motivation. So I try to um, envision what incentive my character has to do anything. Like, what what is going to be their their main motivating factor in in the game? Um, And a lot of games... Okay. <laughs> it's more of a situation. But all right. It's a very uh, good motivation though. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh and but the 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 um many games don't even make that a question when you're creating a character. And for me, if the game isn't asking that question, what they're doing is telling the GM, hey, it's up to you to motivate these players to engage in your game. We're not going to do any of that heavy lifting for you. And I think it's um, bad design, generally speaking, uh, because it's one of the easiest things to do. You, I mean, games already do it. They already create an incentive system. They're incentivizing the players to do one thing or another. Um, by sitting down and having a game, there's you know experience, and however you get it in that game, uh, or at least most games have experience. But it, it that that becomes the motivation, uh, and frequently, um, we find that when that motivation, whatever it does, whatever the thing is that gives the character uh, its currency for advancement, doesn't line up with what the character would narratively do, you have this disjunction. Uh, whereby the player feels that they will, are being pulled in one direction by the game and in another by their character. And to me, what that's a sign of is the game not properly aligning the character's motivations in the first place. If the player gets to decide on what is motivating their character, right, what gives them experience, what gives them those that currency for advancement, then they can make uh, informed and interesting decisions on that basis uh, and have those things coincide with the, uh, with the in quotes, what their character would do. And so I think that's a valuable thing to have in games and something I don't see very often. Although I do want to shout out one game that, that or at least the first game like that, that I encountered was Riddle of Steel back in, ooh, when was that published? Oh, two, something like that. And it had these things called spiritual attributes, which are, uh, I think I've talked about that before, but the long and short of it is, is. That's a it's a dice pool um, that when you're doing anything uh, concerning that thing, so it could be like a passion, like rescue my wife from uh, this bad guy. And when you're doing something in service of that goal, you get to roll those dice on on checks, so you get you you the you have this heightened ability to to succeed in those instances. Uh, and then to advance your character, you actually spend dice out of that pool permanently. Uh, and then when you do the thing that 
your, your character is motivated to do, you gain dice back into the pool during the game. So it's this great push-pull, and then you're incentivized to do that thing in order to get more dice, in order to get better at it. And then when you advance, you drop back down, and you're now even more incentivized to do that thing, creating this really great positive feedback loop um, and one of the best experience systems that I've ever seen. So, yeah, that was a little long, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, nice long answer, Rob, but yeah. okay, yeah, sure. No, it's sure. average for us. It's fine. <laughs> it's average for you, Kat. I don't know about yeah. anybody else. Yeah. But what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about like motivations in, in characters? And should should is that something that most games need? Or do you think uh, games can like uh, well, like D and D's one that comes comes to mind? Yeah, here so reset the clock to zero. We're talking about D and D, but the, yes. sorry, don't worry. I'll keep uh, oh, okay, uh, I'll, 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 I'll rein it back in. I'll say uh, Shadowrun is a game that uh, <laughs> pretty much only motivates its characters through money, and everybody's surprised when they're running a crew of murder hobos, right? And it's like, why? Why are you surprised? That's exactly the game you're playing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, they weren't playing the characters. Like, no, yeah, they were. Trust me. <laughs> when I, when you had brought up motivations when you're talking about it, my first thought you would mostly talking about like, <clears throat> like writing down character goals, giving a character a, a personal motivation rather mm -hmm. than like, a, like the. I, I but I understand where you're coming from with the mechanical part. Um, but I to to answer that first question before I talk about XP at all, I think that yes, you should give characters some sort of goal, even if that goal is something they can or are you know can and or are encouraged to regularly change. Um, you know whatever that may be, giving characters that personal goal to get them moving and you know explain why they're with the party is is a good idea to make this narrative cohesive. And. I completely agree. And I think we talked about this in the last couple of talks where we hit on session zero and defining goals within the RPGs that we play. Um, and I think it's important to kind of highlight a difference between what your character motivation is and their individual goal um, and whether that's an implicit or explicit goal and the implicit and or explicit goals of the session. So I think, Rob, what you're saying is that on an individual level, it's important that the character have a motivation that might not be in line or the same as the motivation that is driving the entire plot forward. Is that right? Um, I'm I'm of the opinion that those two things should be the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And then when you do that, you get the best stories. Uh, and and when those things are disjointed, then you have fun. I'm not saying like it's, I'm I'm not. I'm not trying to claim that it's like bad to do it that way. I'm just saying when you have the 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 story thread line up with what your character wants to do, you get this real I mean, you become so invested that it's hard to describe. Um and that's what I'm striving to do uh with Ashes, but I I think I'm kind of successful. I think it can be tweaked a bit more, but it's 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 working so far at least. Having character motivations, if you're going to make character motivations the driving force behind the story, you have to let the GM know ahead of time because you can't have, you can't say like, oh, this is a game where you can buy an adventure and then run the adventure. Yeah. I was like, no, man, that's not going to work at all. 
Yeah. Like you have to like in that scenario, if the players are functionally deciding what the GM is going to do, you have to give the GM um, a lot more tools, and and then the game has to do more heavy lifting in letting in in making sure they can illuminate the path that the players chose mm-hmm. because you're not letting them pick the path anymore. Right, and in those cases, the game itself changes. The game itself becomes more sandboxy in nature, where the GM might set up like the the space, and then the players define their character motivations, and that's what drives the plot forward. So correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So what were you going to say, Fred, about XP? Oh, all right. So in terms of XP lining up with uh, player motivation, or the intended player motivation, I suppose, I, yeah, I, <laughs> to to say something simply about that, yes, uh, the I was talking with y'all about the strange earlier, which has this weird thing where most of the mechanics that are actually there are um, for combat. All the character choices are for combat. All the in-depth rules are mostly for combat. And then it's like... But then it talks about rewarding exploration and discovery stuff. And it does that within the XP system, but it doesn't give you any way to interact with that and doesn't really move that full point towards making that a goal. And so you need to have it be... You need to have that goal also be reflect upon the character choices and the rule choices that you can then make. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And if the game doesn't support that, then it's only kind of half there. I also really enjoy the fact that it's called The Strange, because that is a very funny slang word in Los Angeles. I don't know if you guys have that in the in Midwest or... Do you, do you know what in it means? Canada. In Canada? Nope. No? Oh, wow. Okay, so it's not everywhere then. So strange is sex outside your current relationship. Oh, so I'm, I'm gonna get me some of that strange. Oh wait, that's sex. I, I, I thought it was just like sex with a rando, but it's yeah, it can be. But generally speaking, it's 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 sex outside your uh, your current relationship. Oh okay. And All right. When that game was sure. coming out, called the str- and also also it's a it's a euphemism for pussy too. So when the, when that game was coming out, called the strange, I was like, what? <laughs> People call pussies strange? Yeah, I'm gonna go get some of that strange. Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> gonna go behind the dumpster, get some strange. Or under the bleachers, or on the roof, graveyard. You know, there's a lot of places you can find it. There's not too many names you could make for a game that wouldn't be slang for something somewhere. No, I'm pretty sure that category is wide open. <laughs> like Numenara, like doesn't that doesn't read as anything except no, yeah, that's, well, things that don't read as anything are also a problem. Let's be real here. Yeah, that's also true. But let's, well, let's... it reads as something, but it doesn't read as like a slang pussy. term for for pussy. Yeah, that pussy. <laughs> Just imagine like talking to somebody, be like, oh yeah, I got, I'm gonna go get some Numenera. Like, yeah, that's, and you're like no, that's... <laughs> you're going down to the corner Korean market. I don't know. What do you... <laughs> I mean, do it? You could cover so many things though. It's like even axe wound means that, and that would be perfectly otherwise legitimate for like a Viking game. Yeah, like a Viking axe game. Wound? Yeah, axe... yeah, that's totally 
that must be a Canadian term thing. for that as well. <laughs> lumberjacks. No, I've, no I've seen a lot of axe wounds. I think it's actually a British one. <laughs> no, I've heard that as like a euphemism, but I don't think I could name a game that. I mean, <laughs> why not? I would play axe wound. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It just I don't know. It doesn't sound like a game to me. I don't know, man. I've, yeah, I've I probably would had... play Axwood because I think it's an OSR game, but other than that, I would play Axwood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say that I've definitely had some encounters that were powered by the apocalypse, but I don't know that I... That's really a sexual thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on from this topic. Moving on to topic. Um... The issue of motivations, since I could babble about this for a little bit, does anybody have anything else before I get going? Oh, God. I'll cut you Go off at, at, at the hour mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just edit the entire thing out. Well, say it then. Yep, we're not stopping you. All right. Yeah, go. So, first off, the thing I was saying about values, I think that's actually more of the baseline like that builds into motivations like if you know what a character's values are then you don't really need to create the motivations because their motivations will be created based on their values as they go through the game i agree the various situations there so. there is a reason I, I go motivations and not values though okay i'm actually curious as to why okay so the reason i go motivations is because i don't want to ask the players to undergird their characters base values at the start of the game and during character creation i want them to be discovered during the game as they go through and and discover their character so they're because the process of, of playing the character is is, is is an act of discovery i think in m many games um and so <clears throat> the a baseline motivation can have a lot of things feeding into it as you point out and so I just wanted to hit that surface thing so the character has a direction, but not necessarily a value structure. You know what I mean? Okay. See, yeah. I like, like at least in how I'm building Zayorza, is that the values are open to change. Mm -hmm. Like, they do change over time. It's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one yeah. of the big things. It's like, you're supposed to discover who you are. It may be that you already knew but you'd forgotten or it might be something that as you go through the discovery process it turns out that maybe you're not who you thought you were but the point is that by starting with the value then you can create multiple new motivations based upon those values so that's kind of my reasoning behind it um the next thing was in terms of experience like uh the idea of experience being towards a specific goal or motivation, I'm not sure I really agree with the basic premise of it. Like, I generally feel that, like, experience should be awarded for overcoming a challenge, but not in a specific way. Like, I never really liked the idea of, oh, well, you get experience for killing this monster if you handle the monster in any other way, then you don't get experience. And it's like, well, that's just going to build the murder hobo, like you said. But that also includes motivations. It's like, well, I'm not motivated to do it. I'm not going to bother doing it. And it's like, well, can't you be at least a little bit motivated for doing it? Like, they're, they're offering you a fortune. But it's like, yeah, but 
I want to do this other thing. It, it kind of over laser focuses a character down to basically only what their motivations are. Like to like if you have it so that you can only be motivated by one thing at a time through the mechanics of the game, then your character is going to wind up rather one-dimensional at a time, basically focused on that one thing and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I don't ask the players to pick one motivation. They, they actually do pick more than one. But there is yeah. one they all share. There's one they all agree upon as a group, and that is the one that brings them together. And then they have personal motivations on top of that. So there's, there are actually two, and sometimes those can conflict. And when, you can, when they conflict, you actually get more XP for pursuing a personal one because that's a uh, behavior I want to encourage because that's what people do. Yeah, which is a good yeah. thing. But that also means that, yeah, build like the entire game around it and you're also yes. building it around con conflict within your own party. A little bit. It's, that... that's, it's incentivizing a small amount of it, but not over-incentivizing it, I hope. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, healthy conflict makes good stories. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, conflict can. It's just whether do you necessarily want this conflict to be within your own players, or do you want it to be external or environmental? Mm -hmm. It's like, there are other types of um, conflict that are also perfectly valid. It's just... I don't know. Sometimes it's totally okay to do that. And for a lot of games, you may very well want there to be a lot of conflict, like in Paranoia. Right. <laughs> like, you it's, definitely uh... want your players to be fighting each other. That's yeah. kind of the concept. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But I, the game's supposed to be that, though. It's not like yeah. it, it's, it's not like, that's not the game being played as unintended. That is, that is, that is its intended purpose. I mean, whether yeah, or not it, I over, I don't think I over incentivized the the conflict thing. It's only you get you drop two XP instead of one, um, and it takes you three to advance at the end of the session. Uh, but because it, the thing is, so it's you drop two XP, but it goes into the common XP pool, so it actually does help everyone out. Also, it just there's going to be a story penalty for it, more or less, or something mm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that works totally in your game. Which is great. In mine, mostly it's focused upon internal conflict more right. than external. Like there is external, but it's while you can have conflicts with your other players, and some of those are actually built into like the player species, for example, it's not like the overriding concept. I don't really want it to be overly stressed. Like from what I found, if you put people with different values next to each other, they're going to fight regardless of what you do. It doesn't need a nudge in that direction. Mm. It will happen just naturally. Right. The last thing I wanted to cover was I'm a little iffy on the method that you'd mentioned for um, your favorite game's handling of experience because it doesn't just have a positive feedback loop, it also has an inbuilt negative feedback because basically anytime that you're increasing your character in some way, you're also decreasing it in another way. And that kind of creates like the anti-pattern of 
unclear optimization where as soon as you do that, there's going to be a little bit of hesitancy. Like, is it actually a good idea to reduce my dice of working towards this motivation and putting them into something else? Unless it's a very clear benefit that gaining a level or whatever is vastly better than what you're sacrificing. It's it's permanent rather than temporary. Generally, like the the the, the uh, spiritual attributes, you got to use them like once a session, unless the GM mm. basically sort of like put a spotlight on your character, um, and that was like okay, the entire session, like this is you're getting to resolve this thing this session, and then you get to like you know it go, it, it fires on all cylinders more or less. But it's 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 you don't get to use them. I mean, like maybe one in four or five rolls is what you what you could expect if it was properly set up. I think mm-hmm. that's the guideline they use. Like if you would use it more than that, it's overly broad. And if you use it like less than out of one out of seven rolls, it's probably too narrow. So they they give a guideline on on where it should sort of like sort of like where the uh, where the breakpoints are. Spot us. Yeah, yes. yeah. So they, yeah, they did they did a, they did a nice job of not just like creating the system and dumping it in front of the players, but like here's how you use it, and like here's the best practices when it comes to something like this. And I thought that was, it was just well done. It was just really well done, and we it helped us uh, run a very long running game with had two GMs, and it, like it was fucking a saga. Because, but it was because of those spiritual attributes. Because all of our characters had goals, and sometimes they conflicted, and sometimes they aligned, and um, it made for a really cool story, you know, over anything else. Okay, cool. I'll take that explanation. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was gonna say is like when it comes down to um, motivation for experience, one of the things I do personally um, is. It's essentially, it, again, it's I incentivize being true to your character. Um, I also allow the silliness aspect. It's, it's something I learned from, God forbid, D&D, um, but also L5R is that uh, point of inspiration concept. Is like, kind of like, I, I treat it like, you kind of, it lets them build characters. It incentivizes them to, uh, the higher you stay true to your character, like in L5R, uh, you're encouraged to give them more experience. And it's not like in a D&D sense of, you kill this monster, it's very much here's a free point that you can hold on to and kind of encourage players to have an incentive of um, delayed gratification for um, better results. In my experience with L5R, that that motivation was not on the character sheet. It was nebulous in between the GM and the player. Is that... Okay. Yeah, I mean, because there's no spot on the character. I've played the mm-hmm. second, the third, and I haven't played the most recent edition of L5R with the fantasy I, fight I, game. Yeah, I, I played that one. Um, okay. Essentially, I kind of added that in, but it was yeah, more or less... It, 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 but, the, but again, I added it in mainly because I realized that it's it's technically there in the rules um, with um, experience by saying, hey, if a player actually acts more like their character, you right. should reward them in extra things. Like, it's kind of said, but it's not, but I look at like like that as a, like, that's kind of a very good way to encourage things like one of the other things i kind of do is like like there's some basic i uh let me try that one more time i kind of look at the general rules in the dmg if you're looking at dnd or the back rules and kind of figure a way how do i bring obscure rules up that encourages that type of mentality 
Right. And I, I commend you for doing that because that actually is the right thing to do. The problem is the players don't know about it. It's not on their character sheet, so it's not on their UI, so it's not in their head. And that's that's the problem. So you're going to have players that are naturally more extroverted, like going for that, getting that XP. Um, and if there's no... The, the, the game wants you to do it, but it doesn't give you any tools to make that easy. So like you said, you have to go through the book and dredge things up that are sort of hidden. And I, I think that's that's a detriment to... I mean, because you've identified a problem fundamentally is, is what you're telling us is that there's there's a disconnect between what the character would do and what the character should be doing and your s solution to that is like going into the rule book and finding that line of text uh but the problem is the game doesn't doesn't tell the characters that here's here's how you can act in character you know what i'm getting at oh yeah i do know what you're getting at yeah okay yeah it sounds almost like there's definitely a, a a solution that's been hinted at is there, but they didn't make use of it in the way that it really probably should have been. But at least it's giving you a direction of where to go. But that's something that I do think that a lot more games should have is, you know, flat out benefits for when you stay in character. Why Why do you think that current games don't have it? Is it like just an oversight or is it that they're building on a history of games that don't have it or why is it that it's not something that's considered common? i think you i think it's because of the reason I, I i stated earlier that you have to completely invert the gm's job if you do so like the mm -hmm. gm can't be the one making the stories anymore like they they they, 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 they lose in order for that to work at all the gm has to completely give up any sort of narrative authority i don't think that's entirely true but I do think that it does diminish it to a degree. Maybe like not that's something that should be the case. Like, it's like pretty much all of the bad GMs that I've ever played under, they've considered it like basically absolute control. Um, the player's actions simply don't matter to what's going on. And the good GMs, it's always been like, okay, well we're going to let you follow whatever you happen to consider to be interesting to follow. Your actions have an impact on the world. When you do stuff, stuff changes. And to that end, it means that GM's only partially in control. They can be in control of major plot points. They can be in control of like the basic concepts of what's going on they can be in charge of the specific details of how something resolves but the players have at least some say in what they do in the world okay but how does any of what they've been talking about change that what do you mean change oh no no mark mark asked the question um why don't games do that and oh. i was saying because they'd have to basically rewrite the GM sessions for most games, because there's an assumption that the GM um, is putting is is not only illuminating the path, but setting what up what the path is. And in a scenario where the players have motivations, they're determining the path, and the GM is merely now I wouldn't say merely illuminating it, but they are illuminating it. Um, and a lot of games don't assume that to be the case, and so they don't have tools. For the GM to do that, there are some games 
like that. I think Blades in the Dark is a published example of a game that does exactly that because it, it, it gives you this sandbox. The player It gives the player's motivation immediately in uh, the crew and the fact that they're all going to starve if they don't make some money. And so they have to go do stuff. And mm-hmm. it gives the GM's tools to illuminate whatever path they choose. But it does not give the GM the narrative authority in like building a module or running a pre-written adventure that most games assume. I mean, games that have pre-written adventures are assuming that GM authority. Hmm. Okay. So that's why games don't do it. In my, that's in my view. Really a good way to put that. It crystallizes a lot of ideas. I've had trouble <laughs> materializing. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that a lot of games don't do it for that reason, but I think they're doing it for the wrong reasoning like i don't think that that's something that's required what so what's required well i don't think that it's required that the gm completely give up full control as no 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 maybe maybe i maybe i overstated it i wouldn't say give up a, a, a narrative well they're giving up authority literally because they're not authoring the adventures anymore they're yeah. detailing them um and but you can't but like you can't ask the gm to do that and then not give them like either either not give them license to come up with the sandbox or give them the sandbox so you're right in a sense in that like the the g if they don't give the the gm a sandbox then this they're they're, you're relying on the gm to create the whole thing which is Mm -hmm. most gms will just will not do it Mm -hmm. uh I mean, what's the point of having a game if there's nothing in there to make the GM's job easier, to give them some guidance? Like, Hey, some, pe- some games are like that, though. You know, I, I agree with you, but like, I've seen exa- examples where it's just like, you're free. And it's like, yeah, but I'm free in the middle of an ocean and I'm on a plank. And yeah, I don't yeah. know where I don't know where land is. <laughs> it's like if you don't have at least some direction of where to go, you're yeah. just gonna either drown. Like you don't even know which direction to start rowing. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say blades doesn't gives no direction, but I also wouldn't mm. say No, I'm not, I'm not I'm not lumping blades in with those, but some games yeah. do that. Yes, there are some games, and I wouldn't even say that like most probably Ockham's games do that. Although you could probably make an argument that they do, but it's not. I don't agree with that. Nah. Argument. nah. But yes, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. That I was actually had a point to it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Well. <clears throat> I guess actually the next thing I have on my little list now that we've talked about motivations to death um, is talking about. We kind have of... not talked motivations to death. I will be clear. We could talk about it for four hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could talk about it for a lot longer. We talked it to death in the context of this conversation. So we're not motivated to continue? I'm not motivated to continue <laughs> talking about motivations. Um, but anyway. The next thing I have on my little list is this. When when I was first thinking about this topic, I quickly came up with this bullshit in my head, which I'm going to present to you now, and you're going to tell me is probably wrong. Um, it's wrong. Oh, thanks, Kat. Um, <laughs> Always pleased to help. <laughs> but, okay. I'm good. 
Um, but anyway, so the these are I'm calling these I don't know what I want to call them. Three things you put on a character sheet. Three things you define about a character. But it's the I'm seeking to classify and give instruction to the three main things that I see, or the three main styles of things that I see defined in a character sheet. And it's it's like a spectrum. So you've got the things that are defined by the game totally. So it's uh, you know if you pick this class, you get a dexterity, or if it's you know you pick this class and you get this ability. And then there are things that are defined by the game but chosen by the player. So when you get a list of the spells you can choose or the little um, like look things from Powered by the Apocalypse where you get several little choices or something like that. And then on the other end, you have things that are fully defined by the player. Um, anything that's not on the character sheet, pretty much, uh, or things on the character sheet that are all fill in the blank you know, at least their name, but usually like, oh, here's my flaws and my background or, you know, sometimes up to the realm of things that are like fate aspects or something like that. So is that cogent? That actually seems pretty complete. Like, I'm trying to think of what would be an exception, but you basically have completely open, completely closed and a choice in the middle from a list that's like there might be some variations on that third point where you can have it in different ways but in terms of the basic concept yeah i don't think there's much you could miss there these are specifically just things that are defined on the character sheet right well i guess because yes. i would also say that there are certain aspects of the character not on the character sheet that could still exist here like there's their personality in there, their things never written down, never physical, but it it exists yeah. in the space above the game. I I did try to include that with the things that are defined about the player. Um, right. That's why right. saying things in our character sheet isn't exactly right because a lot of it is here's and all the rest of the stuff that's not on the character sheet. Right. Um, because that's for some people what makes up a lot of their character. Or at least a lot of the headspace about their character. Yeah, it's kind of weird because you start thinking about like what things do you necessarily have to have on like the character sheet? Like, is it only the things that influence play? Like the things that you'll look up often? Like, do you really need to know that the character has like gray hair? Like, is this something that will come up on a regular basis? It might be important to visualize your character with that but is it something that should be taking up space instead of something else that you're going to be looking up for reference I guess some of the ideas is that those items can have a place in the game like they might not be clear but they could exist um, like there could be like a your character is trying to join the old man's club. It's like, well, I have gray hair, and even though I'm 32, I can try to deceive them. Um, and I don't. Anyway, I, I actually think that might actually be leading into a good point: is that everything that's on the character sheet should have an in-game applicability to it. And if you're going to put in something like your hair color or hairstyle, then don't just 
add it onto the character sheet, but add it onto the character sheet and build it into the game somehow that it's like, this is actually going to be important to you somehow. No, I I think there's a place, obviously depending a bit upon the layout of the character sheet and whatever else, but I think there's certainly a place to have stuff that's like hair color or, you know, look or whatever else. Because, I mean, you, those, um, like... I will point out that, the, that on 100% of character sheets, well, maybe not 100, but uh, they have the space called name that you put on the character sheet, and that will never have, <laughs> and that usually doesn't have a mechanical bit, but... usually sometimes it does like having a true name for like a demon or a dragon or something is actually sometimes useful yeah but ultimately i i still think there's a space for those those fictional pieces that may not have any mechanical effect but the fiction is still important and should probably still be represented to a certain extent on the character sheet although i agree that most of it should be used for mechanical pieces and you know, other things that are necessary for, for reference. Mm. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, there's, I, I've struggled, like, I've struggled with that idea myself. Like, how much do I want to, you know, how, how, how much space do I want to leave to, like, for players to define what their war mage looks like and what their adventures look like? Um, it ended up not being much uh, because I'm already pressed for space as it is really, but, (laughs) but but the, um, I mean, the way I sort of get around it is the distinctions. And then I ask everybody to pick two for each character. And then those things sort of are kind of meant to bloom into the fiction of what they look like and, and what their attitudes are. Um, but like, I don't, I don't go as far as like doing the, what's a good example of a game that asks you to do a lot of that detail building. Um, oh, GURPS, GURPS is one Mm. where, where it really wants like, can you picture this guy? Can you, could you cast this guy in a movie type thing? Um, who could play this character if, if you were to, uh, um, you know, uh, pick pick a famous human that you you could say like, oh, this guy's played by, uh, fuck, I don't know, Mark Maron. Let's say, um, that would actually be kind of a fun RPG character. Now that I'm thinking of it, but he'd be a great fighter. Well, here's something as well in regards to that is that when you're writing well, like hair and glasses and stuff, like yeah, but if you're writing yeah. like a novel mm-hmm. or and trying to describe a character, generally the the established normative way in the industry is actually to state you want to give enough detail that people can build an image in their mind without telling them the specific details on the image. So like you would say that, oh yeah, she's got like great legs, but you don't specifically say what right you think great legs look like because that might not be what the person envisions to be great legs Mm -hmm. it's like you say oh they're just long legs they go forever and it's like yeah some people like might like short people in which case you've just given conflicting information that a they have great legs but b their legs are completely not great by your standards so 
now it's confusing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give enough detail that you could picture it as a specific actor, but you want it so that it could at least be typecast. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've got a different direction that I've taken defining your character in my game, because mm-hmm. um, in Praxis Arcanum, I don't have a uh, character creation section. It's all, all that happens dynamically in the game. Um, and what I've tried to look at are ways that you define your character in terms of variables or in terms of um, how it progresses throughout the story of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have broken it down into four things that I think evolve or change to create that compelling character, to create that, um, I don't know, story. Um, and we've hit on a few of those ideas with um, what uh, we've talked about already, but um, basically they were the uh, narrative progression, so how your character moves and your goals change and develop, um, the personality progression, so your intentions or your emotions, um, knowledge progression, so abilities or skills, um, things that you learn, and then uh, physical or item progressions. So your equipment or gear or um, anything that you're, that tangibly your character has like a title or something like that as well, I guess. Um, and those to me felt like the four directions that your character can be defined by in terms of an evolution. Like these are the things that compel you to want to continue developing that character and, and push them forward. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. The one thing I would add to that is physical progression. It it doesn't really quite fit into any of the other categories, but it's still definitely. Yeah, I had mixed it with the item progression, like the equipment. So I put physical and item because I I felt that that sort of was like your your character's like body or or anything tangible, really, Um, because Narrative progression isn't tangible, personality progression isn't tangible, and knowledge progression isn't either. So I put all the physical aspects of your character kind of lumped together. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if I was going to lump it together with anything, I think I'd actually have lumped it with uh, knowledge. Because Mm. it is a specific increase of you as an individual, like, what you're capable of. Right. Um... Like, it doesn't really fit with your personality because personality is often like side grades rather than straight upwards mobile progression. But Mm -hmm. for knowledge, you usually, well, yeah, you forget things over time. But in terms of things like skills, like you become more skilled at doing a task. You become stronger, faster, and smarter, supposedly. Mm. So that it all kind of fits there is how i'd normally put it but yeah like i still think physical progression should be in there somewhere but okay yeah i mean it depends on if you consider that important to the game or not yeah i can i can see i can see the logic in grouping physical stuff under one heading and Mm -hmm. then so what were the what your four categories were personality progression knowledge stuff and then social or uh yeah narrative personality knowledge and physical slash items hmm okay 
narrative personnel. Okay, so there's like okay, so I would I mean, you could actually qualify. You might. So where would so gaining a title in your game would be a narrative progression or a, a physical like an or item? A physical item, yeah. Okay. Depending on what you, yeah. I would have said so narrative it, is if it is your goal or your mm -hmm. your motivation was to achieve something like that, then that would be mm -hmm. the narrative progression. But otherwise, it's a it's, it's an attainment. I see. Right. Okay. Cool. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So so you have this narrative progression. You have. And then you have like three forks of attainment. Yeah, Is that about right. Okay. Yeah. I I want to thank you, Mark. Um, I had a, a little note written down here about the the three types of like character definitions that I always see. Okay. Um, and those are physical, mental, and social. Um, yeah. You've pretty much got all of those. Yeah. Well. Uh, although, yeah, and it's it's interesting because that's I think the version that you guys have read I I split my game into those kind of three main categories. It was mm -hmm. the body, uh, spirit, and cunning, um, and those were how I had originally defined the the character. Um, and I felt that what was really missing was more of the personality aspects, more of the like, mm -hmm. what does this say about your character that you have all of these things that you have these skills or or motivations, and that was why I felt like this fourth um, category was important. But I like the definition of the three, the three broad uh, points to define sort of any character in your game world, like any anyone in the an NPC, for example. Um, yeah. But I felt that for your player character, there needed to be like an extra little bit of depth for for that. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the physical, mental, social is is that's just such a common breakdown because that's like those are like the universes we live in. Like it's it's really hard to yeah. to put together like a character in any game without some aspect of all three uh, because it just feels flat or like a board game. Otherwise, you know, like yep. Um, some games make it more explicit than others. Some definitely prioritize one over the others. Like the D and D has three physical stats, two mental, and one social. Um, for the most part, uh, World mm -hmm. of Darkness has three of each. Um, uh, Ashes kind of doesn't. It has it has attributes of guile, force, and lore, and those are approaches to problems, not necessarily. I mean, they're inborn strengths, uh, but it 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 reflects more on like how the way you interact with things rather than mental, social physical like the it, mental social physical breakdown happens in the skills and the actions um it, it's sorry don't mean to interrupt but it yeah, still but sounds it, like it it has ties to it like yeah it does style, yeah. you could see very social force very mm -hmm. physical and lore mental yeah yeah mm -hmm. but i don't group all the social skills under guile for example right you know um so because like some of them like like impress and impose are like about acting forcefully you know um and so it's it's uh i i maybe i grouped them a little strangely like um i think although i think i, I think the physical skills are mainly under force well i guess stealth isn't um and larceny so i i it, it spreads out yeah i did yeah 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 um, you probably shouldn't be responding to things i said in text chat <laughs> yeah you just typed <laughs> and i was like yeah i did do that and, and like yeah, yeah. great thanks guys good job
Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you to say so, it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I did end up renaming combat to force because it was just a much better term for what I was going for. But um, yeah, that's neither here nor there. Well, since we're talking about defining a character by those things, I don't necessarily think that they should always come down to the attributes. Like um, your overarching large broad spectrum things like in like D&D for example was mentioned that charisma is the single attribute your mm. character point that describes your social capability it's it doesn't really ever feel like it's properly in there it it always feels like it would make more sense just as a number of skills like, it just doesn't fit with everything else in how D&D handles things. And conversely, like, when you look at World of Darkness, like, having three different social stats always felt like way too much for what they were actually trying to do with it. It just felt like there was too much. Like, each individual one was spread a little too thin. A little too thin because there's not enough meat to each of them to really justify that. I could see two social skills for, not skills, but two social stats for it. But I don't think it even really necessarily works like that. Like in my own game, I I don't even bother with um, the mental or the social and the attributes because I don't want like the raw stats of the game altering the personality of the character like i don't want to have like a game built in such a way that you never have an intelligent warrior it's like there are no real generals in DD. like just because of how it's built because even though there's like a class for it now it's like it just seems really out of place for a fighter to have like a lot of intelligence it's, that's like, that's your dump stat it, you're never gonna have like an advantage really for being exceedingly intelligent and studying your opponent figuring out how to take apart their stance and their abilities and then use that against them it's just not beneficial in the game and okay but but you you're 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 missing something there. That that's that's a problem with the methodology of D D, not the framework of the no, social. No, no, I understand that. But I mean it in the sense that when you have that basic concept like you're attaching stats to social aspects, you're it basically almost necessitates that you're gonna wind up in a situation where Somebody's going to have to use that as a dump stat at some point, and they're not going to be able to build the character personality they want to play because the character's combat ability is going to infringe on their ability to play the personality they want to. Right, but that's a factor of having dump stats in the game to begin with. That's not a, that's not a necessity. 
that's 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 a different problem. I mean, you're you're. I think you're correct in identifying that that's a problem, and that you don't have intelligent fighters or charismatic fighters because why would you? Uh, it's a problem of incentivizing the particular actions and the fact that a, a game allows. A, it's so fucking frustrating because like it's like D and D like here only engage with the part of the game that you have stats for. It's so silly. It's so dumb. Like why why not? What like, what's the point of doing that? Like, it's, I do. just you know, like it, I, it. There's oh, and I do want to say one other thing about the World of Darkness. Um, the original World of Darkness had three the three social stats, uh, one of which was appearance, and I'm convinced that was only a stat so they could give Nosferatu a zero in it and <laughs> and make that a disadvantage. Although nobody considered that a disadvantage in. The New World of Darkness, I do want to point out the stats were arrayed uh, mental, physical, social, and then each one was power, finesse, resistance in that area, in that domain. So social stats was like presence, manipulation, and I can't remember the third one. Willpower, I think? No, willpower is a different thing. Willpower is a different thing. Uh, yeah, it was, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, it was like the power of your personality, the finesse with which you use it, and your resistance to others. So the triumvirate made sense there because they broke it down sanely along those lines. In Old World of Darkness, your point totally stands. You're absolutely right. Okay. I do want to point out that there's actually, in Anima Beyond Fantasy, they actually had stats for, you know, uh, a warrior type that explicitly was very social which was the acrobatic warriors, where it's not just the fact that they were very graceful, it's that built right into them, they very explicitly gain, like, just naturally points in, um, I forget what this stat was called, but it's basically, it's a skill that's based on showing off and just doing things in an overly, like, beautiful manner. So mm-hmm. it's like just naturally by being an acrobatic warrior, they right. became very social because everything they did was very graceful, even in like how they talk with people. They're just fourth edition did the to... same thing. Yeah. I mean, four, fourth edition had had uh, the secondary stats. The the uh, warlords were basically were functionally intelligent, charismatic fighters. Uh, even so the, though, those were your general, but like it's it's a it's it's not it's not a problem of the framework. It's a problem of the the well, the executed classes within those systems being. Yeah, my issue is that poorly I, set up. I but. still don't think it should really be a base stat. I think that it makes more sense as like a skill, and I know that's like kind of nitpickery, but I do actually think that it's something that I don't want the. Depends on how you use it. If you use it as just an attack role, like I'm going to attack the conversation with this stat, then yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the idea that that's how they end up being used. that's it for this week listeners join us next week for a continuation of this discussion thanks for listening have a good week